Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreau. And I'm Sally Gentry. And we are so glad that you decided to tune in. Tell your friends about us. We would love that. Our message, our goal is to try to increase our donor registry, to save more lives, and we need you to do it. Let's talk about what's coming up on this episode. We'll start with some super cool LSU students who have graduated, but they increase Louisiana's donor registry. They spread awareness on and off campus, and we'll tell you how they use some good old crawfish <laughs> to do it. Genius, right? right? Yeah, Sounds right. genius, yeah. And in our recovery segment, Lori, we're going to talk to the parents of a six-month-old hero. We're going to share their touching story about donation. And in our family support segment, we're going to talk about the history of our donor family quilts and the numbers of quilts that we have now and how people can get to see them. The designs are amazing in themselves. I mean, there's a story for each. Um, So we'll talk about that. We'll honor a hero. uh, And we want folks to hear what we're talking about. So we need your help. And it's easy, right? Most definitely, Lori. You can find us anywhere. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Sally, I told Joey's friends how to listen to him on the Gifted Life <laughs> oh, podcast. Oh, that's great. Now there's a chain reaction. So yeah. I love that. So it just takes one person. Yeah. We finally have a group of people that can actually understand me when I ramble. (laughs) His Cajun accent. I love it. That's good, though. Uh, Also, guys, uh, we're on social media, so we try to uh, make it as easy for you as possible. So Donate Life Louisiana on Facebook, so you'll see some pictures, see what's going on. You know, we want you to join in. Also, we're on Instagram, Twitter, at Donate Life Louisiana. But we also want to hear from you, too. So give us a call, 504-648. Three four seven seven. Yeah, we may even play your audio here on the podcast. We want it to be interactive, and we want this podcast to grow, but it starts with you. Let's get this podcast underway. In our community segment today, we are spotlighting six outstanding LSU graduates who adopted donation this semester and really... Um, knocked it out of the park. They increased Louisiana's donor registry by 100. Several hundred have pledged to talk to their families about donation. Just an incredible campaign. So we've asked Miss Caitlin King, who was part of that crew known as 225 Communications, mm-hmm. to join us on this podcast because we want to hear how it was from their side. We get to see all the benefits. And, you know, they did all the work, yep. which we love. So, <laughs> hey, Miss Caitlin. Hey, Lori. How's it going? Good. How does it feel to be a college graduate? We were all thinking back. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, a little exhausted at this <laughs> point, but um, it feels good. You know, we know all of our hard work has really uh, come into fruition now and just looking forward to the future. Yeah. So, um, Joey and Sally, to kind of fill you guys in and all of our listeners, we have this wonderful uh, professor who was just recognized for being a pioneer in the classroom, but she runs a service learning class. And so it's a PR campaigns class. And so these kids are charged with actually putting a campaign 
in motion. They have to show results. And Lopa uh, gets to work with these amazing students who are now lifelong advocates for donation. So, Miss Caitlin, were you overwhelmed when you were assigned Lopa and um, found out that there was so much writing on your work? <laughs> we were definitely a little overwhelmed with the course itself. It was a lot of work She's just tough. because of how much Dr. Broussard uh, challenges us. But as far as being paired with LOPA, we were so excited about the opportunity. We know what wonderful work LOPA already does, and we were just excited to be able to add to that and leave our own legacy. I was able to see some of the results when Lori passed the thick, thick book of registries that you guys had. <laughs> I'm curious, how did you guys do it? Uh, just a lot of hard work and planning and really trying to define with Lori from the beginning what she wanted out of us. We got to learn so much about LOPA through this process, and we saw that a big need with organ donation is for minorities to sign up because so many minorities need organ donation, mm -hmm. and obviously people who know anything about organ donation know that matching organs with ethnicities is more favorable to the people who can receive an organ. Mm -hmm. So Lori talked a lot about that to us, and so we tried to focus on that, targeting different minorities on the LSU campus to try and educate and inform and get them involved themselves. So it was a lot of reaching out and trying to make things fun and exciting so that people actually wanted to come to our events, and then we just sort of surprised them with education. Yeah, well, it's good when people want to come, but I was telling uh, Sally and Joey that you guys used um, free crawfish and jambalaya, mm -hmm. and, you know, you had flyers and bathrooms, so kind of talk about the execution <laughs> of your plan. We were going to increase the donor registry, we are going to increase awareness, but um, some of the steps that you guys took to make that happen. Definitely. After our own personal research, we just looked around campus to try and target the areas where we knew students would be most. We plastered every single building on campus with flyers, informational flyers, debunking some of the myths that people believe about organ donation that are totally not at all true, but somehow have gotten into the hearts of many people um, in the area. And so we just plastered the buildings with those. We plastered the buildings with flyers for our picnic event what that you mentioned, where we had crawfish and jambalaya and boudin balls. Uh, those were all donated by Tony Seafood and the jambalaya shop. So we were really lucky to have that huge event be such a success. Uh, but just getting into the areas, even, like you said, in the bathroom stalls where people would definitely have to see our flyers okay. on a daily basis leading up to the event. Well, and it worked because, um, and Dr. Jinx, every time I, I pass her, we do a, a text or an email, she said, over 700 people on the parade grounds for these kids. And I said, I know, yeah. it was amazing. And it worked. It felt incredible to see the huge line of people wrapping around the corner of the parade grounds to talk with us about organ donation and to get free crawfish and jambalaya. It was pretty awesome. You, you announced free food at, at, a, at a university. <laughs> <laughs> it's guaranteed to get a crowd. Winner. So, it's, it's a good way to do it. <laughs> well, Caitlin, were, were you already signed up to be an organ donor prior to becoming involved with this? 
I was. Um, I can't say that I knew everything, all the great information that we've learned from Lori, but definitely from my first opportunity to sign up, I felt like, why not continue giving as long as you can? (laughs) Good for you. And uh, Sally, I know you had mentioned this with one of our previous LSU groups, but they did um, on-campus and off-campus events. One of the things that they did was a, a trivia night. It was fun. It was, it was at a fun. restaurant, right? It was. Lots it was of, easy. Lots of people came in. People, you could tell, were having a good time. They were interested. They wanted to know what was going on. And these guys filled them in. Yeah, it, it was great. So they reinvigorated some of our volunteers. Um, some of our volunteers who hadn't been involved in a while did because it was fun. It was like, wait, trivia, prizes, <laughs> like fun stuff. Um, and through this group, we have someone who's waiting on a transplant who not only went to their event but helped them spread donor awareness at their event. And we wouldn't have made that connection without these kiddos. So kudos to you, Miss um, Caitlin. So what is next? I mean, you graduated, so sure. You made it. Great. Um, and so then what, what's in the future for you? This summer I'll be working working at a marketing department of a travel company. I've worked with them the last several summers. And then after that, I'm just looking uh, for a job in my field, probably something related to nonprofit. I've worked with y'all, and I've worked with Our Lady of the Lake Children's Hospital all throughout my college career. Mm-hmm. So I've really enjoyed that, and I'm just looking around to see where it fits me best. Great. So she's looking, everyone, if you know. Um, also, we um, have to talk about the incredible Dr. Jinx Broussard. Without her and her vision, you know, we wouldn't have met. Yeah. Yes, of course. Dr. Broussard is absolutely amazing. She's obviously was just recently recognized as being a pioneer in her field, and she truly is. And without her, we never would have had the push to do so much that we did this semester. She really inspired us from the beginning and pushed us all along, keeping us on track, asking us about deadlines and who we were talking to and giving us new insight and new ideas to to make our campaign more creative and um, just the best that it can be. And it worked. Joey, you remember those tough professors it was like come on you got to get it that's 20 years ago Lord. <laughs> i can't remember that far back. but it was worth it. yeah we were all sitting here trying to think back like do you remember that graduation college you remember that time and it's kind of foggy for for some of us yeah. uh, but caitlin you were amazing your crew was amazing i know you're representing um five other folks who worked hard worked in the rain guys they had rain yeah. issues but but everything worked it worked in, in yes. your favor. So thank you so much. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm i here with y'all today, but it was myself, David, Anna, Brooke, Rachel, Megan, all six of us working all semester long with you and with Dr. Broussard. Thank you so much, by the way. We really we could not have done any of this without your help or without Dr. Broussard's help. Y'all really pushed us along and helped us get where we could be. I think she paid you for all this. Caitlin's my favorite. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Well, a special thank you to the crew, 225 Communications, and forever thankful um, to them and to Dr. Jinx Broussard. In our recovery segment, um, we want to talk about the incredible story, the life of John Clark Perry. He was a pint-sized lifesaver. 
um, just a cute thing. We want to talk to his mom, Holly, and his dad, Jonathan. They're going to tell us about his incredible life and his legacy, and they join us now by phone. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, So this story is so incredible. We want people to hear it, and we thank you for taking the time to do that. Uh, But we want to start with um, this little guy, John Clark Perry. So we know he was six months old, Mom. So tell us um, your favorite memories, Mom and Dad, about about this little guy. Um, He was, I know Jonathan's, he'll tell probably a little more, but he was the best little snuggler. Like any time, you know, um, you were just sitting on the couch, just, I don't know, he was, he was the best little snuggler, and that's probably all I really need to say right now. Yeah, yeah, Mom. Yeah, you know, you had a twin sister, Ella, or has a twin sister, Ella, and uh, it was always the joke. We called her, him the good one, and her <laughs> was just that one. <laughs> Ella was that one, and he was the good one. Yeah. Uh, he went to sleep. Every time he laid him down, he never cried. Ella needed to be rocked. Ella, Ella's still a handful. It's like still having two with her now. <laughs> um, but he, you know, when he woke up in the morning, he was happy. Uh, you know, Ella wakes up screaming, and... Yeah. Even at the at the youngest age, pretty much as soon as his eyes could open, he loved watching football. And it was it was always kind of a joke. You take a picture, and if there was uh, football on TV, you know, he's always looking at the TV. Everybody else is looking at the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we still have some some pretty good pictures where we were trying to get a family photo, and he's off looking off to the TV over somebody's <laughs> shoulder. That's a, that's a proud dad right there. I hear that. I love yeah. it. Um, and uh, so we posted this story um, on Donate Life Louisiana so you can see this, you know, precious little face. Um, so we know he was six months old, and now we know he's a hero, too. So can you, Mom and Dad, get us to that to that point? I received a call from daycare saying that he was fussy and that uh, he's running a fever and we want to know if we'd come get him. And we didn't really think too much about it. There were some little viruses going around daycare. Uh, so since I was off, I went and picked him up, picked him up, took him to daycare. I mean, took him to the doctor. Uh, they assumed it was an ear infection. Um, they pricked his finger to do some blood work, and they said they'd let us know if anything out of the ordinary uh, was going on. And uh, thank God, literally, that uh, we had family pictures scheduled that night. And uh, we got home. And I went to my parents' house to take family pictures. And he still wasn't, he was still sleeping a lot, really wasn't acting like himself. But we finally got him up and we got some really good family pictures that night. We took him to a friend of ours who's a pediatrician. Uh, and he looked him over and, you know, he said, look, he's probably just got a really bad bug. You know, John Clark actually took a bottle that night. And he said, look, just take him to the pediatrician. You know, I think he's just got a really bad bug. We went home that night. He slept through the night. He was a little fussy and then was continuing to act uh, like he wasn't feeling good the next morning, and that's when Holly and I decided to take him to the pediatrician, which ultimately landed us in the PICU at uh, St. Francis. They decided to do a CAT scan, and that's when it revealed that he had a, a pretty severe brain bleed. It's uncommon, you know, with someone that young that they should have a brain bleed. So, uh, and, and for those, some, you know, the listeners, that it's, we call that also a hemorrhagic stroke. Uh, which is something we've talked about on the podcast before. And you just generally don't see it with with children. Uh, it's usually someone with high blood pressure, an adult, and things like that. So I can certainly see that it would be kind of passed off as a, as a bug or as a virus or something early on uh, and, and why they would take some time before doing a CAT scan. So yeah, can- they actually uh, uh, 
diagnosed him. He had AVM, abnormal vessel malformation. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and you know, I was doing some research on it. It's it's very it's very rare to have it, and it's very rare for it to you know show itself at such a young age. Usually, it's yeah. anywhere from ten to forty. Yeah. When I was reading, and um, so it just kind of took everybody by surprise. There's lots of emotions. I'm sure lots of of tears. You guys are are doing great and strong now. Um, but then you're you're faced with the fact that your son has died, and then now what? Yeah, he um. At- Let's see, they told us on after Thanksgiving Day, um, we got a call Friday morning um, at 5 a.m., and they said we needed to come back to the hospital, and Dr. Bermudez just told us. He said he started bleeding again, and he said there's really nothing I can do. So um, he said, but one thing we need to talk about is organ donation. He was able to, to actually save two lives, a little uh, a child with uh, needed a liver transplant, and then, of course, Davis, who was waiting on a heart transplant. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? How did you find out about, you know, Davis and, and him needing a transplant? Well, uh, um, John Clark went into surgery on a Monday night, and that following Saturday night, um, we had his services on Friday, and then Saturday night I get a message from a girl that went to church with us, and she just said, um, do what you want with this message, but I just want to let you know I'm friends with this um, person on Facebook. They're from my same hometown, and um, I think – you know, her little boy might have received John Clark's heart. And it didn't take Jonathan long to do a little Facebook stalking and um, Googling. And, I mean, first thing he popped up with was, um, what did you put, like little boy? Yeah, I typed in uh, heart transplant or infant heart transplant, and it popped up a story in Alabama that uh, they had been following, the news been following the Boswells for several months, uh, and they said that you know they were looking for a heart, and yeah, I knew that had to be had to be them because the the local people had told us that you know you've got a four hour window, which would have made it even more complicated to get a heart for you know if a child needed a heart, well then if you found one, it had to be within four hours, and you know there <clears throat> there's a lot of things that had to had to had to happen for that to work, and uh, so I knew that had to be the the child that received it, and uh, I got on Facebook and. I uh, typed in Amanda's name, and I was shocked because when uh, when it popped up, it said we had two mutual friends. Uh, one of our mutual friends was one of my best friends since we were three years old that lives down the street from me, uh, and his sister-in-law. And I thought, well, you know, this is crazy. Well, that, there's no way they know because they would have said something. And so I called my best friend, and his wife answered, and I said, do y'all know who the Boswells are? And she asked, kind of the stunned sound she said why are you asking and i said well i think that's who got john clark's heart and she said well we've been holding in we weren't sure either we wanted to get notification but we had found out uh her sister actually lives in auburn uh with the boswells and uh they were all pretty sure and that's when they started checking tail numbers and knew that a plane from birmingham had flown in that night Mm. um and so we just kind of put it all together and you know we didn't know 100%, but we were 95% sure that the Boswells and Davis had received his heart. and We weren't really sure what to do next uh, because we didn't have you know, confirmation. So I think Holly and I kind of sat on it for a little bit, and then I finally said, look, if you don't call this or, or Facebook this girl, I'm going to have to. I, I can't take it anymore. Holly, Holly hit her up on Facebook, and they we've come to find out that they knew about our situation, and they kind of suspected that uh, – 
it was John Clark's heart as well. So she had kind of been following us on Facebook. We were following them on Facebook. So uh, I and her started talking back and forth. We, I guess, talked through Facebook Messenger and then text message from December to the end of um, March. And then at the end of the March, that's whenever I called her because she had sent me a text and said, hey, um, she had told me she was speaking at their local hospital, um, EAMC, for um, Donate Life Month. And... She said, I went to the meeting today, and they asked if I knew the donors, and she told them yes, and they said, well, would you, you know, feel comfortable inviting them? And she said, I was very hesitant to invite you and ask you this just because I know it's a lot. And, um, I mean, I was so excited at that point because I'd been praying, you know, asking God to tell me when would be the right time for us to meet because I wanted to meet them, but I didn't want the awkwardness of me having to call her up and say, hey, you know, I want to meet, how do y'all feel, you know, and it just ended up working out. Um, We flew in um, on a Tuesday, and um, we met them Tuesday night, and then their um, organ donation ceremony was Wednesday morning at the hospital, and um, Jonathan actually spoke at the um, ceremony at the hospital. They did a slideshow, and then Jonathan spoke, and then Amanda spoke. And um, whenever we met that Tuesday night, it was – I don't know, like, I was kind of nervous about it, but, you know, I was trying to be the strong one, like, oh, this is going to be fine, and honestly, like, after the first, you know, few minutes of us walking in and the awkwardness of, hey, how are you, you know, finally getting to meet face-to-face, it was like we had been friends forever, Um, but it was the most amazing feeling to see this little boy who now has, you know, our son's heart beating in him, and he still has life, and that was just something, you know, Really, really, really special. That's what I told Holly. It was it didn't really dawn on me until we were driving over from Atlanta, you know, that I'm going to hold a child, and it's the same heart that I fed, you know, night and day. You know, we mm-hmm. Holly always had Elle, always had John Clark. You know, it's how you handle twins, and uh, you know, really, really hit home that that's that I was going to be able to do that. And, you know, something you didn't think you were going to be able to do for a long time. You know, nothing was wrong with John Clark's heart. He, I mean, he had a perfectly good heart, you know, so it's just to know that he was able to give life. The local people were, were so nice that they actually gave us a Build-A-Bear, um, oh, yeah. I guess, the day after yeah. the surgery. Um, and they had recorded John Clark's heartbeat and then put it in a Build-A-Bear. Uh, so we actually have that, wow. and we actually took it and made some copies of it. Now both of our daughters have a have a little build a bear with one of his onesies on it with his heartbeat. So, you know, we've got that to listen to anytime we want to. Uh, but the EAMC had uh, had done a what was it they did? With the oh yeah, they put a um, they printed out. Actually, Davis had an echo the morning of us being there on April the fifth, and so they printed out a little ultrasound picture of the echo mm-hmm. and um, put it in a little frame, and it says John Clark Perry soulmates with Davis Tucker Boswell. So wow, it was just good to actually see them face to face and get to hug their neck and just, you know, that mm-hmm. big smile of Davis's that, you know, brightens our day a lot of times just by seeing him mm-hmm. um, so happy. You know, that was just, that, that meant a lot. That was a, that was a nice gift to us. Yeah. And I'm looking at you guys' picture. I'm looking at John Clark's picture. I'm looking at little Davis. Um, you guys are pretty tough. So so tell us kind of um, where you guys are when it comes to donation, when it comes to where you are as a little family in your life journey. Well, we're 
we're definitely big advocates for for donating. Uh, I actually had some uh, little bands printed up that's got John Clark's name on it, and then uh, Joshua One Nine. I'm sure you probably have seen that in some of the things you've read about us. That's what the nurses at St. Francis had put uh, on his monitor in his room. So uh, we've got those, and then on the inside of the bracelets it says "Donate Life," and yeah, that's that's where Holly and I are. Is, is we're want to promote uh, John Clark and uh, donate life and, uh, you know, use his story to, you know, we, we said uh, a long time ago when we were going through the process and even after uh, that if somebody had prayed for John Clark that had never prayed for him, had never prayed before in their life or, you know, had, had kind of stepped away from the Lord and this brought them back, then, then it was worth it. And, uh it, it's we've already seen his story bring people to the Lord. Uh, I went on a, on a men's retreat, and I, you know, there's actually a doctor there that that he came up to me and he said, uh, after what I he said I was a doctor on your son, and he said after what I saw on that screen when they did the CAT scan and knowing what was going on and and seeing you here is uh, he said that that's that strengthened my faith a lot. You know, that's the Lord put this guy on a retreat with me that I probably would have never met any other time. Uh, you know, there's I've told people that you, when something like this happens, you can you can go two ways. You can either get really deep and dark and depressed, or you can you know, even every bad situation has has positive outcomes. And uh, I and I are focusing on those, and we'll continue to focus on those, and 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 try to promote his story and, and organ donation. Yeah, because like I've said multiple times before you know you don't need your organs in heaven so there's i mean if you can help save somebody else's life and give them more time with their family than they would have had you not you know decided to donate then it's something you should do yeah well i think john clark would be proud of his parents you guys were amazing and i have one other tidbit that i want to wanted to bring up um, in your stories, I read that um, Davis is in Auburn. Um, but you gave him a, a, a jersey, maybe that that stated, you know, his Louisiana roots, right, Jonathan? Yeah, we. Uh, um, that was kind of the, you know, we were trying to find something, you know, something to laugh about, you know, the following days, and we found out they were from Auburn, and I was just joking with Holly. I was like, well, surely they're not Auburn fans. We, we can't, we can't be surely not. enemy lines here. Holly pulled a picture up, and actually it was something really nice. The Auburn football team had been visiting the hospital, and they came and took some pictures with Davis, which I thought was really nice. And immediately it hit me. I was like, whenever we meet them, we've, we, we've got to get a shirt. And the first thing that popped in my mind was, you know, uh, my heart bleeds purple and gold. Yes. And uh, it was great to be able to give him. I gave him that shirt at the hospital, which is in Auburn. Uh, the actual Auburn nursing school had a ton of, uh, nurses there in their Auburn uniforms. So, I mean, it was the mayor was there. I mean, there was a lot of Auburn blood there. And when I broke out that shirt, uh, they all had a pretty good laugh. Oh, that's amazing. You guys are just a neat couple. And um, we will help you uh, to tell John Clark's story. A hero at six months old saved two lives. Incredible. support segment today we are talking about donor family quilts 
So if you've been to a LOPA event like the donor family picnic, then you'll see these beautiful quilts. There's a lot yeah. of them now. Yeah. Tons of them. We have them. It's, it's one of our highlights of our donor family picnic right. where you can go into a room and, and see each and everyone's quilt square. And it's an, um, the quilt squares themselves are so amazing. They tell that person's story, you know, basically in, in a square where you can have something very personal yeah. to, to, you know, the different uh, donors. And donor families um, look for these. They mean so much. But mm -hmm. how did this all get started? So our historian, if you will, <laughs> on this podcast, Miss Sally, has those details. It's really a, a neat story. Well, you know, it was back in the early 90s that a lady by the name of Maggie Cooligan uh, was in the northeastern part of the United States, and she had was raising six children. And one of her daughters, Katie, was a donor. And during this time, however, of Maggie raising her family, uh, she would make a quilt, a story quilt, if you will, for her children's teachers or family of friends or for a wedding or baby gift, but she called them Patches of Love. Well, in 1995, Maggie became the founding chair of the National Donor Family Council for the National Kidney Foundation, and the Kidney Foundation is where we took many of our now guidelines that we use to put together our donor family services and what she did was she proposed to them, look, you know, I've done these quilts for a while, and I would like to propose that we do this for our donor families and to recognize what their loved one has done to help others. And so they said yes, and so this is how it all came about. Mm -hmm. So in 1995, the quilts were starting to be put together for the National Kidney Foundation, and then as the other OPOs looked around at this, they thought, wow, this is a great idea, you know, a way to honor our donor families and make it specific to each area uh, where they are located. And so that's how ours got started. And I think the first quilt panel was for us was in 1999. And since then, we now have 15 quilt panels. 15. And as you know, as you just mentioned, yeah. a lot of squares with a lot of different information. Beautiful. And we also ask families to submit a narrative, you know, telling us a little bit more what they'd like to know. Then we put this into a scrapbook, uh, which all this is going to be changing shortly here. However, for those of you who may have submitted a quilt square many years ago, and you did not submit a story, we really would like for you to do so. Um, You've probably seen our quilts on the previous LOPA website, but for any of you who have looked now recently, we've changed the website, and there's going to be a whole new section devoted to the donor family quilts. And on that page of the website, there'll be a, a section under stories where you can submit your story. Uh, and we really encourage people. We have information we send out in writing. We'll have much more information available once everything is put onto the site. So we really want people to think about it. Uh, if you're not a seamstress or you don't know how to sew, you can always ask a friend, a relative, mm -hmm. someone who might be able to do it. Or we will gladly give you instructions on how it can be done and perhaps places that you could access to do it for you. So in the meantime, you said we're going to have this up and coming on the on the website, our new fancy Lopa.org yes. website. Right. So in the meantime, if they want to get in touch with you about uh, quilts, adding a quilt, 
Mm-hmm. First of all, how does is there any timetable that takes place? Yeah, people ask uh, that a lot because they're a couple yeah. of years out and they never did it. Not too no, much. no, no time frame whatsoever. I mean, it can be six months, can be six years. Okay. It, as you well know, you know, Libby, my coworker, yeah. <laughs> that she it took her seven years, I believe yeah. it was, before she finally decided, okay, this is what I can do. This and I it. think now <laughs> she has two uh, quilts. Uh, honoring Justin, so or Quilt Squares, honoring Justin. So uh, in the meantime, for, for those that, that want to, maybe they're thinking about it, maybe they didn't do it up until this point, uh, where can they find information about this? Uh, they can contact us at familieservices at lopa.org. Or? Yeah, you can always um, use our little hotline, which is 504-648-3477. You want me to sing it? Because Joey's looking up on yeah. 504-648-3477. And then the, always the info at lopa.org will get that information where it needs to be. Um, but if you haven't sat with a family who has walked you through everything that's on a quilt square, that is just incredible because uh, we just recently had a Lopa donor family picnic and from the colors that are chosen to the material that's used to the inscription that's on there to what's monogrammed, um, it's just so touching and it really tells the story of that hero. It's so powerful. And so um, sometimes that's why the family say it takes us a while because we want it to be perfect and it's great. And so we have these wonderful people who can help walk you through. And also as the website is finished up with the quilts and everything, there will be a section where folks can make comments. High tech for donation. I love it. Well, thank you, Sally. Um, And and we just love the quilts. It's it's amazing. And so if you want to Uh, join in, do so today. It is now time to honor a hero. Today we're going to talk about a hero from our website, Dustin Gordon. Yes, Sally. Dustin was an amazing man. He was a country boy that lived life to the fullest. He made the most of his short time on earth. He had the heart of gold and would give the shirt off his back to anyone in need. He was strong in his beliefs and didn't know a stranger. He was always there for anyone in need. He was a hard-working man that was devoted to his family. He was funny and loved to make everyone laugh as he was always smiling. He was wise beyond his years and was always full of good, good advice. He was moralistic and spiritual. He always gave more than he received. There is no other way to say it. He was just a good person and loved by so many. His two children and his family were his life and every step he took was for them. Right, that is hero, Dustin Gordon. Um, You can see his picture, great smile, um, good hat. Um, You can see his picture. You can read more about Dustin on our website, lopa.org. Click on the Heroes tab. And now we pause and say thank you to Dustin for the gift of life. our question and answer segment um, is a question that we get quite often. Uh, what can I do to get involved? And that's easy, isn't yeah. it, Joey? Yes, Sally. It's as simple as telling your story. Yes. And we have a great example. Sue and Tony Miller, they are some little lovebirds who will tell their story to one person, to 10 people, anybody out there in their church. It doesn't matter. They are spreading awareness. And they called into this podcast, which we love, and we're sharing that audio now. 
Yes, hello everyone. My name is Antonio Miller, and I am here with my lovely wife, Sue Ann Miller, who was also a kidney recipient. I was her kidney donor back in March of 2003, and she was the kidney recipient. So we just want to pay emphasis on the importance of organ and tissue donation because it means so much. Because back in, as I say, back in March of 2003, I was Sue Allen Miller's kidney donor. Amen. Hi, everybody. I'm happy. I'm glad to speak with you all this afternoon. I'm Sue Allen Miller once again, I should say, and I am a kidney recipient. We are celebrating 13 years yeah. of successful kidney transplantation on March 24th, and we were celebrating 10 years of happy marital bliss on March 25th of this year, and I should say again, happy, and uh, I am just really excited about organ and tissue donation because it has blessed and enhanced my life so much. Um, in 1992, when I was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure, I became very depressed and very discouraged, as usual, as most of most people feel in that situation. And uh, my very dear friend of more than 18 years, we met in church, both of us are ministers, and we became very, very close. And he came over to visit one day during my depression. And when I explained to him that I was told by the uh, kidney coordinator that I would become a candidate for a kidney transplant, but some people die while waiting. It would take three to five years, and some people die while waiting. So that's why I was very depressed. But the angel that God sent in my life, came to rescue me by way of Antonio Miller. And I thank God that the transplant has been a success and the marriage has been great. I thank you for this time, and I encourage everyone, please consider becoming a registered organ and tissue donor. Allow someone the opportunity that you have had in life to be live a happy life and have a great quality of life. Please consider Donate life today. We are joined together in love, marriage, and, and kidney. kidney. Yes. <laughs> Just love me some Sue and Tony. They are so awesome. If you if you missed it, ten year wedding anniversary they're celebrating this year and thirteen year transplant anniversary. Yeah, Lori, thirteen years. What a couple. It's it's so invigorating listening to them, especially the way they spread awareness and they use their anniversary to spread donor awareness. It's a great thing to have them on board every year and we want you to call in and tell us your story we'd love to hear from you please call us 504-648-3477 another episode of the gifted life in the book skies do want to thank caitlin king of 225 communications and dr jinx broussard um, of lsu for doing such a great job adopting LOPA, increasing our donor registry, and increasing awareness. It's really the gift that keeps on giving. And we want to thank John Clark's parents, uh, Jonathan and Holly, for sharing his story, and, and especially the story about them meeting with Davis and his family. And a special thanks to Sue and Tony Miller for sharing their story with us. Yes, we love when folks get involved in incredible podcasts. Please um, share this and go out and do something that you don't normally do to help make life happen. Mm-hmm.